Um, on the second stream, on the people side, I think really it's just about trying to understand how your team should be built out. So obviously talent acquisition is a big piece of it, but you've also got to look at rewards. You've got to look at L&D. Um, you've got to look at kind of the, the strategic people partner piece. You've got to look at people operations. Um, we hired a chief people officer, uh, Ross uh, Seychelles, who joined us from TransferWise uh, a few months ago. And that's something he's been doing within our team, just reorganizing us and making sure that we are also fully fleshed out to service the business because I think a lot of companies, they underinvest in people teams. And I think that's another piece of advice I share with leaders, not in a people team role, make sure you, you invest first in, in this because without your people, um, you, you know, you don't have a company. Hi, uh, Matt Ellis here, CEO and founder at Seed. Uh, we're back with another episode of Scaling So Far. On today's episode, I'll be chatting with Matt Morello-Langan, talent team lead at HR tech unicorn, Personia. Matt has scaled teams through hypergrowth <clears throat> at the likes of Airbnb, Atlassian, Facebook, and others, and is now leading the talent team through what's proving to be a massive year for Personia. Matt, welcome to the podcast. How's everything going? Hi, Matt. Good morning. Great to be here with you. Um, going well so far. No complaints. Excellent. Excellent. Can you tell us um, a little bit about your story, Matt? You know, have you always held talent and people focused roles? And yeah, just keen to hear about, about where you've come from and where you are now. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I, like many, I did a degree in business management and marketing, not knowing what I wanted to do in co after college. Uh, my brother had been working in agency recruitment at the time and uh, recommended it to me. And um, yeah, I kind of like a lot of people fell into agency recruitment. Mm -hmm. um, what I learned was that I really enjoyed building companies rather than kind of focusing on the sales aspect. So I spent maybe four or five years there before I had the opportunity to move in-house uh, with Facebook. And um, yeah, I've spent the last 10 years really in, in people team roles, primarily in talent acquisition, um, but also a bit in program management and uh, people partner as well. Awesome. Exciting. And now, um, talent team lead um, at HR Tech Unicorn Personio. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the, the company, you know, its mission and uh, its vision? Yeah, so Personio's mission really is to enable other organizations um, or better organizations, I should say. Um, so basically our product allows um, for small and medium-sized companies to attract, support and develop its employees. Um, if you think about Europe, there's about 1.7 million companies that would identify as an SME. But out of that, only 1.4 or 1.4 don't have a product like Personio. So they're using the likes of Google Sheets, Excel, et cetera. Um, and a lot of people think of Workday and go, hey, what about Workday? Um, and of course, Workday are there. They're a great company, but they, they tend to cater mostly for the larger enterprise markets. Mm -hmm. So the, the founders rightly identified a, a gap um, in the market to, to build this product. Um, what we've learned is um, SMEs really what they don't want to do is have multiple different products and vendors. Yeah. They kind of want a one-stop shop solution so that they can attract, develop, payroll, uh, and ultimately retrain great employees. Excellent, super exciting, and it's an ever evolving and competitive um, landscape. Kind of the recruiting technology from ATSs to search tools and, and all of that good stuff. Um, the company's had a massive start to 2021. Um, last month, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong here, but a $125 million Series D raise um, with a valuation of $1.7 billion, um, which officially makes you guys the most valuable HR tech company in Europe. 
Um, <laughs> not a bad start to the year. No, <laughs> Congratulations to you and the team um, on that. Um, so what's your journey been there so far? Um, you joined in June of last year, right? Um, yeah, what did the lead up to the raise look like for you and the, and the talent team um, at Personia? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I've worked in, in some of the larger companies like Facebook and Airbnb. Um, I've done the medium-sized company with a company called Atlassian, uh, where they grew from 1,000 to 5,000. Um, great company. And um, it's kind of been like, a, I would say, a, a grown-up man, man dream, basically, to go <laughs> to a proper startup and really scale it out. Um, so when I started um, to interview with Personio, um, it became clear quite quickly uh, what a rocket ship it was. So you could look at the leadership team and you could see them coming from companies like Dropbox and, and Uber and Zalando. Um, you could see on Glassdoor the, the, the ratings there, roughly 4.6, 4.7 out of 5. And um, you could see the product, actually, when you, when you went in and you demoed it, you could see, well, the, the applicant tracking system is, is better than anything I've used previously. Um, just very simplified, very intuitive. And you're like, as a customer, this is something I would use. And I think the opportunity to join a company where actually people were at the front of it and the HR were at the front of it, I think that was just too, too good to pass up on. Um, so when I joined it, I felt like all the right ingredients were there. Just really believed in the product, really believed in the people that were here. Um, really enjoying it, and uh, but there's, there's still a long way to go. Awesome, sounds good. And you've a ton of experience, obviously, in you know building teams, as you mentioned, at some very very cool organisations, Airbnb, Atlassian, Facebook, Personio. Um, it seems like these um, kind of hyper growth, um, super cool tech tech companies are your your sweet spot there, Matt. Um, I, I'd love to hear personally, and I know our listeners would love to hear some of your biggest learnings uh, and challenges over the last 10 years from a people, talent and uh, recruitment perspective. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, learnings, let me think. I think really you want to move fast. Um, so don't be afraid to make a mistake along the way, but I think equally learn quickly as well. So always be kind of looking back at your you know, previous few months, how's that gone? What can we do better? What, what can we learn? I think working hard is, is one piece of it, but actually working smarter is another. So just being real conscious of that. Um, having said that in a startup, you know, I, I think there's always challenges. One of them is, you know, you've got to be prepared to put in the hard work. It's, it's not easy. There are some long days, um, but I think in recent years I've learned just to, make sure that I take some time back for me because what I've learned is really it's 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 a marathon um as opposed to a sprint. Um and I think when it comes to startups, there's a wonderful opportunity where you get to wear a lot of different hats. So when I started in Personio, um, you know, it was myself looking at rewards, um hiring, uh, the people side of things, um office management, um IT, you know, I was setting up uh, the first computers in, in our office, our humble office of seven desks. Um, and obviously, over time, we've since hired additional roles. We've hired an office manager. Um, but I think it's I think it's been able to just um, have flexibility and being willing to throw yourself into different things, and particularly outside of your comfort zone. And that's that's not for everyone, which is okay. Um, but I think a lot of people enjoy that because I think it stretches them. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think it's you, you touched on a really important piece there, and that you know it's a marathon, not a sprint, um, in the organisations that. We as recruiters find ourselves in a typically moving at a million miles an hour, super, super high pace, so much that we can immerse ourselves in. But, you know, there needs to be a, 
a balance um pace yourself and, and make sure you kind of take time for yourself outside of of the work piece as well because recruitment never seems to uh never seems to stop it's a job that's never no. finished <laughs> no no and i think the war for talent is, is not going to be over anytime soon that's just that's just with us to stay right for sure and here's a, a kind of sub question to that how do you as a busy talent leader um how do you prioritize you know where do you look for kind of i guess the reason i'm asking this question is that um we're all, we've all been in this position, right? You know, the, the, the list is ongoing and uh, new things are added all the time and you can't necessarily clear what you want to achieve or need to achieve. Um, how do you as a, a talent leader kind of identify priority tasks uh, from the, the many, many um, that face us? Yeah, there's a lot. And I think it depends on the role that, that, that you're in and where your focus is. And, and mine has been primarily on the talent acquisition side, building building out this Dublin office, obviously starting with just two of us when I joined last June. Um, so you need to make sure, um, I guess, that the team is well equipped, that the right people are in the right roles, first of all, and, and know what people are have ownership over. So for me, um, really, when I'm looking at what we're building out, you need to understand where where you need to hire first, what's most important, um, and and whether that's on whether that's engineering, it's sales, it's it's customer success, or it's the people team. Um, I think that's where you need to kind of you know prioritize and have a bit of focus. Absolutely, makes good sense. And what's I mean, is there? There's probably more than one, but is there one piece of advice you'd encourage talent leaders at, at scaling companies to to pay particular attention to? Yeah, I'd say I'd say really hire for culture. Um, I've got a phrase: never hire a brilliant jerk. That's the the nicer way of putting it. Um, <laughs> it's something I've lived by. I would say for at least the last five years. Um, I think what I've learned is no matter how strong an individual is in performing their role, I think how they go about performing their role is even more important. Um, I've seen over the years that team detractors can lead to toxicity. Um, so I think if you need to make a trade off there. I'd rather hire someone who needs some upskilling, needs a little bit of love and care, rather than someone who perhaps is already there but might be difficult to work with. So I, I think you've got to be really important. I think in the earlier days as well, you've got to overemphasize that, but also I think your bar needs to be higher because if you're only 10 people and you're hiring one person, that's that's uh, it's, it's a large percentage of your company. Um, so you need to be not afraid to say no. And I think where you've got 50-50 cases, I think that's where you're kind of should be leaning towards a no, unless of course you want to do a follow-up interview or take references, etc. But just be to be mindful of that. Absolutely, this might get edited out, but somebody once said to me when talking about their team, it was better to have a hole than an asshole. Uh, and I thought, well, <laughs> that's, that's one way to articulate it, <laughs> and that kind of stuck with me as well, right? Um, lots of companies talk about this. Lots of people talk about this. Um, it's really interesting to understand how kind of people put that into practice. Um, and I really do agree um, that the, the way someone behaves or performs um, can outweigh their, their skill level um, by many, many multiples. So unicorn status, a massive valuation, um, as you touched on previously, um, a big focus for you um, has been increasing your, your head coat fivefold um, in the Dublin hub, taking it from I think 40 sounds even less than that from what we were saying to, to almost 140. Um, so I guess really keen for us to all learn, you know, how do you go about that? What's the process? Um, 
in terms of deciding which teams need to grow, the number of new roles that are required in those teams and and what those roles actually look like. So I guess sort of translating that spreadsheet hiring workforce plan into some uh, actionable, tangible um, tasks and, and the results that follow. Yeah, great question. Um, yeah, going back to the growth, you're right. Yeah, 4,280. That's our, our big, hairy audition. Wow, awesome. Dublin this year. Um, and then globally, 500 to 1,000. Um, so uh, equally also uh, challenging, but uh, one, one that we relish. Um, really, I think our growth is really focusing on three areas. So um, I think first and foremost, engineering is, is crucial for us. We're, we are definitely a people company, but we're also a software we're a technology company. So without a great product, you know, like Personio, um, you know, it's going to be far more difficult to do business, right? We want to make sure that the product is great for our customers, that they have a great experience and so on. So um, as the product grows and our users grow, with that comes complexity. So we need to make sure that the teams are fully staffed, whether, the, whether you're building the product, you're looking at the reliability, whether you're testing, et cetera. Um, so for us, that feels a bit like a no brainer. Um, secondly, then I think your, the go to market strategy is crucial. So when you're entering a new market, um, you need to understand what, what, what are those markets, where, where are they and, and how do you go about that? And what, we, what, we, what I've kind of observed, I guess, from, from outside of that team is, um, obviously this past experience that our leaders bring with us which is obviously vital um, but secondly just not being afraid to test the waters and, and see where this green shoots and then of course then doubling down and further investing in that so um, without obviously a fully fleshed out sales team um, it is more difficult to sell the product and um, so that, that's another area of growth for us and I think then finally customer success and operations so it's all well and good bringing a new customer in uh, but unless you give them a, a fantastic experience um, you know, they're not going to be a customer with you for long. So you want to make sure that you're giving them that return on investment, uh, making sure they know how to use the product. And um, we've got a fairly a large team in customer success where they're real strategic partners. So they really know how the product works and they can look at companies and go, right, we can see your usage is this or that. Why, why not focusing your, focus on this other area? We feel this could help you, et cetera. So um, we kind of do that. I think there is definitely more complexity to it. There's obviously metrics and, um, and, and percentages, et cetera, of how much you should be growing by um, that they look at. We look at them also market maturity models. So um, when we go to market in a new country, um, we look at obviously the initial results and once once there are a number of new customers that are on board and also then a certain value with that and um, then you, you double down and you go a little bit further um so hopefully that's answered the question probably in a bit of a roundabout way oh that's great um and i think you touched on a really interesting point there that both yourself <clears throat> and the wider team um, in personio sounds like there's a previous experience right muscle memory accelerated learnings to be able to kind of make confident moves um, in, in some of the hiring that you guys are, are making, which is which is good. Um, accelerated learning already in the organization from other places, which which certainly helps. Um, from a tactical perspective, you know, you have all of these, you have the plan, it's in action. Um, is there a playbook that you have when it comes to sort of building a team to support this type of hyper growth? Um, are there certain moves that you like to make, approaches you like to take or initiatives that you think are absolutely go-to um, to kick off and ensure that you get the right people identified, engaged, and, and hired. Um, some of this stuff might be top secret and you don't want to share, um, but some of it might just be your 
absolute essentials, you know, from a, a building a team to, to win from a, a talent perspective. Yeah, happy to. Um, I think there's two streams there. I think there's kind of, you know, the business part of it, and then there's maybe more of the people team. So let me, let me tackle the first one, um, which is the business side of things. I think when you go into any new company, um, you obviously want to realize quite quickly where have we done well, how have we done well, what can we obviously continue doing, but also what do we need to stop doing, what, what do we need to start doing? And, and one of the things that comes top of mind for me is interview skills training. So, you, you know, making sure that all of the interviewers are well equipped to, to actually conduct interviews, you know, and to do situational or behavioral based interviewing. Um, because going back to what I said earlier, um, unless they're, they're fully equipped to interview, uh, they may... Um, hire the wrong people, which is which is not good for that individual, and it's also not good for the business. Um, but likewise, you, you might turn up or pass on great talent um, by getting false flags or false signals. So I think that's that's something that takes time putting that together. Um, it's something that we've done in earlier years, but I think on a more global basis, something I've been rolling out over the last six months, uh, just to make sure it's kind of consistent across the board. And that's like doing workshops, it's doing role plays, et cetera, and doing follow-ups. Um, so that's something I, I would think of that would come top of mind. Um, and then I think the rest, you know, you mentioned obviously tactical side, I think there's things to look at like job descriptions, making sure that they're fit for purpose, really making sure that they're aligned to what this person is doing and what, 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 what experience that they should bring with them. Um, I think there's a big piece around employer branding and advertising. So um, it's all well and good putting your advert on, on, on your website, but you need to actually get out there and make your name known. Um, and obviously social media gives you a great opportunity to do that now through LinkedIn, Instagram, and so on. Uh, we, we, it was one of the teams that we actually built really early on in Personio. So my manager uh, recognized that this was really a, a crucial piece of the puzzle uh, and put in a lead there for that role. Um, and, and they've since, since built, like, built out a team and developed a bit of a reputation really as a you know, really good fun uh, brand to work for, you know, very well known in that respect. And that kind of helps us to attract talents because people get familiar with the name. Um, and then, of course, you know, looking at talent attraction, I think, I think you know, sourcing and headhunting is a big piece for, you know, um, I am a believer that a lot of the time, not, not always the best person is always on a job board or applying. So actually going out there uh, and speaking to people and, you know, having that first conversation, it can lead to something. Um, and then it's a bit of a snowball effect, really. It's about driving referrals. Um, I, I think things like the Series D and Series C announcement last year has, has helped us. Um, and I think just really having that robust interview process. So um, for us in Personio, we, we not only do just general interviews, but we do very functional or practical ones. So for example, we do a case study interview uh, with, with most non-engineering non roles where um, you get to put yourself in, in, in the shoes of that, 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 that worker, so to speak, mm. and actually what would be your strategy? What would you do if you were in this position? And it's really, uh, it's really good. Um, it's actually up to our bar, um, you know, not everyone there's, there's a there's a good percentage of folks that don't pass this round unfortunately but um it really allows us to assess if the person is right um on the engineering side i think coding challenges are, are really important making sure that they, they they can write code in the way we need them to and then some additional interviews that we do that not all companies might do is we, we, we do a dedicated values interview and uh, we've got a number of values and operating principles so we have specifically trained values interviewers this is something we rolled out this year um, and they're people that we feel are culture carriers and they, 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 they raise our bar. So um, they have been trained on how to assess that using sort of competency-based questions. And, um, and then one other interview that we also do that I haven't experienced in previous companies is, is a peer interview. 
Um, and I actually really like this. It's an opportunity for candidates to meet their potential peers, understand what it's like to work in the role, warts and all, and then I guess a chance for the peers to see, you know, does this person live, you know, one of our, our values, which is team spirit. Um, so we've had we've had situations where we've done debriefs and the peers didn't feel comfortable for whatever reason, and, and we really value that. Um, you know, we've had situations where we've actually declined someone because they, they passed all their other interviews except the peers. So I think it's really important to listen um, to those that are in the team. Um, on the second stream, on the people side, I think really it's just about trying to understand how your team should be built out. So obviously talent acquisition is a big piece of it, but you've also got to look at rewards. You've got to look at L&G. Um, you've got to look at kind of the, the strategic people partner piece. You've got to look at people operations. Um, we hired a chief people officer, uh, Ross uh, Seychelles, who joined us from TransferWise uh, a few months ago. And that's something he's been doing within our team, just reorganizing us and making sure that we are also fully fleshed out to service the business. Because I think a lot of companies, they underinvest in people teams. And I think that's another piece of advice I share with leaders, not in a people team role. Make sure you, you invest first in, in this, because without your people, um, you, you know, you don't have a company. Brilliant. And thanks very much for sharing that. And I like kind of the way you went through that and the different different layers of the business. And I think it's clear to me from the the responses that you gave there that it's very much about experience for you. Um, and I really like the something that I think other organisations <clears throat> forget that the interview process and the whole experience. You know, you can we can all argue when that starts and finishes, but the whole experience is a two way street, right? Um, and it's about making sure that both sides of the the conversation they're in a place to make an informed decision um, and I really like some of the the peer interviews the simulation of challenges so they can actually experience what it could be like to work for the organization so yeah thanks very much for sharing those uh, those tips um, as you and I know having the sort of talent and people function as a strategic um, partner to the wider businesses is absolutely critical um, but it's often something that isn't prioritized or invested in enough in the early stages as we've just touched on. Be keen to understand sort of from you and for our listeners, um, what have you found to be effective ways to establish that kind of strategic or, or partnership level relationship um, with, with the business, uh, ensuring that the people and talent function and the people in the organization are at the forefront of the agenda when it comes to being able to scale successfully? Yeah, great question. I think there's a there's a few elements I think of here. I think I think first of all, I think trust is crucial. I think it goes both ways, and I, I think you know one of the great things about working for Sony is we we feel like we're all in this boat together, this journey. Uh, we're only five hundred people, um, and we're regularly all departments giving each other updates on what we're doing, um, how we're trying to do the best work of our lives, and, and ultimately care for each other. Um, I'm a big believer, I think, to, to attract great people. A lot of companies focus on talent acquisition. Let's just hire great people, but actually they ignore their existing employees. So I think you kind of need to look inwards first. And, and then if you if you build out a great company, um, well, that will just naturally exude right onto the, the, the marketplace is word of mouth. Um, there's, there's sites like Glassdoor, which are great to, to get an insight into how a, a company is to work for. Um, so, so with that, I think it comes just a lot of caring for, for your employees. I think developing them. Um, you know, if we think of COVID, that's been a very stressful year for everyone. So we've been very, I think Personi has been great in the sense that they've done additional things that they, 
other companies may not have done. So, mm. you know, giving giving employees additional time off, what we call self-care days, um, to just, you know, whether you want to take a sleep in, take the dog for a walk or um, whatever it is you'd like to do, you can, you can take some additional time back and not eat your holiday leave. Um, running things like at the moment, we've got like a virtual health uh, two weeks going on right now. So you can take part in meditation classes, yoga, cooking, and we've brought in some external experts for that. But we've also got some of the our fellow employees that have signed up to actually run that, which is really nice. Oh, nice. We did meditation this morning after our all hands kickoff of the week. And, you know, you can be reluctant initially to, to do these things, but actually I really enjoyed it. And, uh, um, you know, helps you get into the right zone. And it also, you recognize that the company are doing, going a little bit above and beyond. And, and I think as an employee myself, I just really appreciate that. Um, so I think really just, first of all, um, caring for your employees, I think the heart effect is, is, is a big thing. I, I think secondly, then I think it, it's all about, you know, not only training your employees, but developing them and allow them to do the, the best work of their lives. Um, I'm a big believer, you know, in internal mobility. Um, it was a role that I held actually in the Glassian a few years ago where I built out the program and it was, uh, it had, it was, there was a great response to it. Um, we found that there was a lot of employees that just didn't know how to move internally. It was a bit like mm -hmm. the Wild West. Um, there was maybe perhaps some managers, you know, accused of poaching, you know, one employee, <laughs> et cetera. Um, so it was something that we were able to go in and fix um, and giving people visibility into the opportunities that come up. Um, obviously with L&D, you know, you, you've got platforms like Udemy, you've got LinkedIn Learning, and they're wonderful uh, tools. But I think you've also got the opportunity to stretch people on the job. Um, I think actually one of the best ways of growing is actually, you know, through stretch assignments, comments, um, you know, moving internally. Um, and I think as companies get closer to the maybe the, the, the thousand uh, person mark, I think that becomes really important. So again, that's another bit of advice that shares. Don't leave that too late. Mm -hmm. um, because what you might see is then you could see a spike in, in, in unwanted attrition where people are, are you know leaving to go to other opportunities and as your brand grows and, and this is what's starting to happen with Personio other companies are really starting to notice us so we need to make sure that we do all we can for our employees treat them really like our customer mm -hmm. um, so yeah I think that would be my, my two cents there it's perfect no, thanks ever so much for that and there's often a um I guess a fear factor associated with with scale, certainly from sort of senior leadership, and that comes with with culture uh, and the sort of the the retention or, or development um, of your culture, and people worrying that culture can be be lost or, or previous people processes and frameworks can become sort of broken down or or outgrown as an organisation scales, particularly through through hyper growth. Um, in your experience, are there any particular topics that you focus on um, that you should you know, have in mind when going through periods of, of hyper growth or, or hyper growth is on the horizon or, or are there any measures that you tend to put in place initiatives that you think about or will be focusing on in your current role as a result of growth that's happened or, or growth that's happening yeah I think um getting continuous feedback from your employees is really important. So um, we, we have employee engagement surveys where we, we do a pulse check, you know, a number of times a year, um, sometimes a little bit more often because of COVID just to check in. Mm -hmm. and, and I think more importantly, you got to respond to that. So I, I've, over the years, I've seen, I've seen these done before um, sometimes really well and sometimes not so well. Um, not so well when they've been done, but maybe perhaps haven't been followed up on or action hasn't been mm -hmm. taken. 
Um, so for example, like when I worked as a people partner, it was really important for me that leaders were listening to the feedback, but also could communicate, okay, look, you know, let's separate these into three different things. You know, uh, one is maybe some low hanging fruit um, that we can fix really quickly. Let's go and do that. Um, secondly, this is a little bit more complex. We're going to have to think it through, but maybe we'll do a follow-up focus group to, to learn more and mm. kind of just unpack that. And then finally, I think you've got the, um, the situation where, look, we're really appreciative of this particular feedback. We, we can't change this right now, but here's why. And it may not be realistic or um, they've got to deprioritize it for something else, but at least your employees know that you've been heard. And I, and I think when in startups, it, it, is, it is hard work. You know, you're, as I said earlier, you're wearing a lot of hats, you're stretching people, people can get burnout. So I think really listening to the mood on the floor um, is, is really important so that I think we as companies or as HR leaders we can we can course correct yeah I, I wholeheartedly agree with your personal experience that the communication of the feedback hey this is the feedback this is what we can do this is what we can't do this is when we plan to do it these are kind of the some of the initiatives we're taking to to solve this or as you said unpack it I think is a a massive massive part and I think people and talent and organizations are, are better at this it's not as bad as the annual survey once a year goes out nothing gets done but they're far more frequent and baked into to organizations improvement and communication cycles but um yeah some really great um information there thank you so we're moving into kind of like the uh the closing questions now um and these are the questions that we ask to, to everybody that joins us um what would you say is one challenge when it comes to scaling teams and or people practices that if you had a magic wand, um, you'd love to be able to uh, to fix or make disappear. Oh God, if I had a magic wand, I'd probably say more manpower, uh, <laughs> which is a terrible answer, but um, you know, it's, it is all hands on deck and you're trying to do a lot of different things, right? Um, so make, make sure, as I said earlier, your, your people team is scaled up to deliver so they don't burn out, otherwise they're not gonna be successful and you won't be successful. Um, I think being a bit more realistic, um, I think people teams and the business just need to really manage expectations with each other. So um, I've worked in people teams where there's a, there's a reluctance basically to say no and to push back. And, and, and what, I, what I've learned in recent years is actually to really be an advocate for that. So saying, hey, this, this is great, um, but actually we look at the bigger picture and all these things, we, we, uh, we, we need to prioritize and actually just push things you know, further down the roadmap, as they say. Um, so really having kind of a focused strategy. Um, and that's another thing I really respect with Personio. A lot of people have asked me interviewing, you know, when, when will the company go to America? What about APAC, et cetera? What about enterprise, uh, you know, companies? And I actually, I really like the fact that the company focus in on SMEs in Europe. That market's huge. Um, so you, you don't want to bite off more than you can chew. And I think the same thing goes for the people strategy as well. So um, just not being afraid to deprioritize. Thank you very much. And is there anything that you listen to or watch for, for inspiration? I'll be honest, I'm currently doing a master's in HRM. So my time has just really been spent <laughs> on books and journals. Um, I, I wish I could tell you that one podcast that's changed my life lately. Um, but I've been, I've, been, I've been knee deep in the books. Awesome. That sounds good. And yes, I'm sure they're inspirational in their own right. <laughs> what yeah. is one um, thought, value or phrase that you live by? I would say um, we're not we're not saving lives. I, I, I think 
things are always going to happen. Things will go wrong. I, I think you need to, you know, realize everything. There's one of our one of our operating pro, uh, um, one of our operating principles is there's a solution uh, over solutions over problems, right? Um, so for every problem that comes up, let's just figure out the solution. Let's address that. Um, again, we're not saving lives. Let's just keep calm, keep collective, because I think otherwise it just adds a lot of stress those individuals and, and yourself and, and if you're stressed you can't bring your best self uh to your work so again going back to what i said earlier um you know you can f fail but fail fast obviously learn from it mm -hmm. um but it's okay to to make a mistake and also put your hand up and own that brilliant thanks very much for joining us um and for sharing your story so far matt uh it's been an amazing start to 2021 for the um, and super excited to see what's in store um, for yourself and the team throughout the rest of the year and beyond. So thanks again, some real insightful learnings and some tangible things people can, can take away there. So um, thanks again. Thank you, Matt. Pleasure.